View family, what's going on tonight? How we doing? Man, it's so good to see so many of you. Goodness gracious. Thank you for coming out tonight. Go ahead and get your Bible and your journal out for me. I hope you brought a journal. I hope you brought something to take notes with. You know I'm going to give you some notes tonight. Goodness gracious, we have packed this thing out. Make some noise for the fellowship hall tonight, amen? Right, yeah. Why are we cheering for a fellowship hall? Because we are able to be together and worship in here. No, we are not at our normal building, but is it not good to be back together and worship, amen? Goodness gracious, it is so good to see you. As I was watching the door, I have seen so many people come in who I have never met before. I mean, we have so many guests who have come tonight, who this is your first time here, or maybe your second time here. Someone invited you, I don't know, but man, we are so, so glad you are here tonight. And if this is your first time, I want to tell you, my name is Daniel Harris. I serve as the college pastor here at The View. I've been here on staff at Bellevue for four years now, and I've been blessed to see God do some amazing things here at The View. And the way he does those amazing things is through you. Not me, not a staff. He works through college students, reaching college students. That's how God packs a place out like this, because of how he uses you. And if it's your first time here, this is what I want to tell you. I hope you remember this. If this is your first time here, do not forget when I said this. You see Paul Jones up here and how God has worked in his life. There is nothing stopping that from being you. Some of you are like, oh, no, not me, Daniel. <laughs> no, I got this laundry list of, of mistakes, and I can't speak well, and I'm nervous, and I'm scared to lead, and, and all these reasons why God can't use you. Isn't it amazing how long we'll make the list as to how God can't use us? If this is your first time here, there is nothing stopping God from doing a work in your life. This is what I want you to do. We want to connect with you. You are not just a person to fill a seat. You're not just a body in the room. We want to connect with you, and we want to get to know you. So if this is your first time, some of you saw the banner outside where you can take the QR code. We had some errors with our forms, and so we may have missed you. So if this is your first time, even if you did the online form, I want you to text GUEST to 901-833-7525. Right now, go ahead. I won't get on you for being on your phone. I won't call you out or bring you up here. But right now, text guest to 901-833-7525. We might get you a Chick-fil-A card. How many of you like Chick-fil-A? Amen? Listen, yeah, like four people. Okay. I'll give you a gift card since you screamed, Gabby. She's not a guest. She's been here two years. We want to give you a gift card. We want to connect with you. As Paul talked about, community is so important. Let us help you in finding community as you go through college. As I said, my name is Daniel Harris, and the first thing I want to tell you about is the view is that we haven't met since March. It's been a while since we've been together, and I want to tell you very briefly what we are all about so that there is no confusion in the room. The view is a place of imperfect people serving and worshiping a perfect God. I hope you hear that tonight. Listen, when you come here, there are not perfect people. You will not find perfect people in this place. I am not perfect. Far from it. My wife will tell you that. Far from it. And you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But what we get to do when we come in this place is we worship and we serve the true one and only perfect God. How many of you know there's not multiple gods? There's one perfect God. And we believe that he created everything you see. I believe that when I see a design, design demands a designer. That if I come across a painting, I believe there had to be a painter, an artist, if I come across music, I believe there had to be an artist that created that music. And in the same way, when I look at you, I see a soul. I see someone who has purpose, who has value. God's word says you were made in his image because he created you. You are a design, and design demands a designer. 
You have been designed, you have been created, and God loves you, but you have sinned. Some of you are like, sheesh, Daniel, this is right out the gate, man. Can you start with a story from your childhood? Like, tell a story when you fell off a bike or something. No, I can't. I've got to tell you this on the front end. i got plenty of stories falling off a bike, but i got to tell you, you and I have done far worse in the Lord's eyes than fall off our bike a couple times. We have sinned. Sin is when you break God's commands, when you break God's laws. And listen, nobody feels good about it when they're in sin. I don't, you don't. Sin means we have broken God's command. But because of that, instead of us, watch this, Fernando. So good to see you, brother. Glad you're on the front row. So good. I'm going to be calling some of y'all out, man. I'm going to be down there in a minute. Don't worry. Instead of us working our way up to heaven, God saw we can never get up there, and so he decided to come down. We believe he came down in the form of what's amazing. This is the paradox. He came down in the form of man while also being fully God. That is the man, the sinless Savior named Jesus Christ, who we sing about, who we worship about. Now, that Jesus knew you better than anybody else knows you. You realize that? Your mom your dad, all you in the back. I see you all the way in the back. I mean, I see this whole room. That's the beauty of it. He knew you better than your mom, your dad, your brother, sister knows you. He knows you better than you know you. So when he came down on this earth, he didn't just know the highlights of you, what you're good at, what you're passionate about. He knew all the sin, all the mistakes, all the brokenness. Let me tell you something. If you told all of your brokenness and all of your sin to some of your friends, they would leave you. Jesus is the one who knew all of it, and he came down to save you. <laughs> He came down, he was perfect, he was sinless. They hated him, so they nailed him to a cross. And when they nailed him to the cross, all of your sin that he personally knew was taken onto that cross, and it died with him. And it looked like death had won. And then three days later, Jesus Christ came out of that tomb as victorious as this world has ever seen. Alive, gloriously, back on his throne, all so that you can know him and walk with him and have a relationship with him. Now, before I ever get into any story or analogies or sermon, can I just ask you, do you personally know that Jesus? See, I don't know LeBron James. I know of LeBron James. I've heard a lot about LeBron James. I know a lot of statistics and facts about LeBron James, but personally, I've never met him. So I can't talk about him like I know him. Some of us know a lot of statistics about Jesus. We know a lot about Jesus, and we've heard of Jesus, but we've never personally met him. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but we're only five minutes in. I got to tell you, Jesus is, sorry, that was a little loud, a little softer. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart tonight. No more waiting, no more pushing it off. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me this right now. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart asking, when are you going to stop playing games with eternity? Asking, when are you going to stop playing games with your creator? But he won't force his way in. Look at me right here in the back. I see you. He will not force his way into your life. You have to make a choice to repent, which means give God your sins. Confession is telling God your sins. Repentance means I'm giving God my sin. You have to give him your sin and say, Jesus, I don't want to just know you. I want to commit my life to you. Once you do that, phew, is there anybody in the room that can testify to the glory of knowing Jesus Christ personally? Anybody in the room tonight at all? That's when you start experiencing life change. Some of you are stuck in a rut. Some of you in your life feel like you got no answers, you got no hope, you're in more darkness than you've ever been in. The only light of this world is Jesus Christ, and he's trying to save you tonight. Will you let him? 
Will you commit your life to Jesus Christ? I'm so sorry. That was just my greeting. We might be a while tonight. (laughs) I'm so excited you're here. If you do want to make that decision, we're going to give you a chance at the end. If you want to do it right now, text Jesus. I feel the Spirit telling me right now. If you say, Daniel, I I have questions about committing to Jesus, or I want to know more about Jesus, or if that spoke to you at all, I just want you to text Jesus to 901-833-7525, and we will reach out to you, and we will talk to you. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I hope that you got something to take notes with tonight. Very excited to be back. I promise you I'm going to try to follow the timeline as best as I can. I may struggle a little bit. So bear with me. I promise you, though, we're going to have some fun tonight. Now, during quarantine, I had a chance to watch some TV shows. I use my time well sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes Netflix just pulls me in. You ever feel a TV show just pulling you in, pulling you in? One of my favorite TV shows, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I watched it years ago. It's a popular show, real, real popular show. One of my favorite TV shows is Friday Night Lights. Anybody know that show? You have three people. Yeah. Friday Night Lights is a huge show. It came out in the mid-2000s, right, that primetime era. That's when I was young. Some of y'all... Y'all weren't grown enough to watch these kind of shows, I guess. But I was old enough to watch these shows, and I watched Friday Night Lights. It was huge. It was set in Dillon, Texas. You remember it. It was set in Dillon, Texas. It was about football. It followed high schoolers. What's amazing about this show, here's the reason why it was so well-received. It won Academy Awards. It, it was praised. It was one of those shows that's lifted up. One of the reasons why, and this is actually a quote about the show. It's very fascinating. One of the reasons why the show was so successful is because of its truly realistic and accurate portrayal. Watch this of the hardships and conflict that we experience in America. At the end of the day, one of the reasons why the show was so successful was because it was real and raw. Another TV show that took Netflix by storm during quarantine is All American. Any of you seen All American? Some of you, All American. All American is the same concept. It follows Spencer James, who is a football player in Los Angeles. But remember, his core character, the whole thing about him, Watch this. It's fascinating. The whole thing about his character is that he is broken, right? Like, yes, he's this great football player. Yes, the ladies love him and they go crazy over him. But at the end, that never really makes him happy because he's broken. He's torn apart because of the absence and abandonment of his father. You remember that? And you look at these TV shows. What's fascinating about these TV shows is that it shows us what we gravitate towards to watch. Walk with me for a minute. We never choose TV shows that never have drama. Have you noticed that? We don't ever watch Teletubbies when we get old, which I believe doesn't have any drama. We literally, the number one genre in America is drama. Why? We want to watch things that have conflict, that have hardships. We want to see characters lose battles, win battles. We don't want to watch a show that's smooth sailing because why? We get bored, but ultimately we don't relate to it. We want to see TV shows that we relate to, and our lives are far from Teletubbies. (laughs) Our lives are far from perfect. Our lives, what they have is, can I tell you what our lives have? Just like the TV shows, very similar, our lives are filled with battles. Battles. If you don't believe me, give it a couple days. But just as Paul Jones was cruise sailing, just, just everything going well, and then one second, car crash. Car totaled, money lost, no way to get to school, no way to get to work. Just in a minute, your whole life can be thrown off by a battle. And we gravitate towards these shows because at the end of the day, we want to feel like we can win. 
But these shows will steer you in the wrong direction. I mean, look at me. Seriously, this is so important. These shows will have you believing a lie about your life. They will have you believing a lie. Can I tell you what that is? Watch this. So simple, but we forget it. These shows will convince you that you can win your battles all on your own. But you can't. And what happens is because we start to believe that, we start to fight our battles alone. We think if we can just try hard enough, if we can meet the right people, if we can find a relationship, if we can make a certain amount of money, if we just focus hard enough, if we just think and worry and stress hard enough, that problem will go away. We live as if the battle is all on us because that's what the culture in America tells you is that the battle is on you. What's amazing is you'll never come out on top because once you get through one, you're going to be down in the dumps when another happens and another battle and another battle and another battle. And it just keeps going and going and going. And your identity will be caught up into whether you are succeeding or failing. Let me tell you something. That's a miserable, frustrating, and unbiblical way to live. The battles and encounters you have in your life, you cannot win those on your own. Your friends cannot win your battles for you. And let me say this to you. There is no amount of money in this world that will ever fix the problems you have. Not the problems right here. Because it don't matter what kind of checkbook you got. At the end of the day, you got to lay your head down and deal with that internal darkness that just keeps eating you away. But tonight I want to show you in the Old Testament every single thing we just worship. Watch this. There is one who is fighting your battles. You hear that? You can hear a pin drop. You know why? Because every single one of us are in three categories tonight, and you know it, I know it. Either you are going to a battle, you're in a battle, or what? You're going out of a battle. The one whose ways are higher than your ways. Look at me. The one whose thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The one who is perfect and sinless. The man himself, Jesus Christ, is fighting your battles. Tonight, I want to walk through that with you. I want to talk about the battles we face and what we can practically do. Now, think about Deuteronomy with me for a moment here. I want you to write this title down. The title at the top of your notes is Who the Battle Belongs to. I promise we're going to move very quickly. The title tonight is Who the Battle Belongs to. Now, the book of Deuteronomy is the keystone of the Old Testament. This is a huge book of the Old Testament. Did you know that Deuteronomy is the second most quoted book by Jesus Christ? That Deuteronomy is the second most quoted book only behind the book of Psalms. Jesus Christ quoted the Psalms the most, then Deuteronomy, then Isaiah. I don't know if you know what the fourth one was. Ashley, you know what the fourth most quoted Old Testament book by Jesus Christ is? Fernando, you know? You ready for this? It goes, you'll never forget this. I don't know why, but it sticks with you. The Psalms, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Exodus. Now, what's beautiful about those four things, I don't have time for this, but the Spirit told me to tell you anyway. What's beautiful about these four things is that, number one, I believe Jesus quoted the Psalms because the Psalms are largely, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them come from David, who is a man after God's own heart. And what Jesus could not deal with in the New Testament were Pharisees whose hearts were far from God. But what Jesus dealt with were leprosies. But Jesus dealt with blind people whose hearts were chasing after God. I believe he quoted Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy is all about loving the Lord your God, teaching generations after you to love God, not a man-made statue, but loving the true God. So he quoted Deuteronomy. I think he quoted Isaiah because Isaiah at his time was a modern-day Shakespeare. Isaiah was genius. Isaiah was so smart. Did you know that? Isaiah at his time would use words no one else would use, almost to say Isaiah was a man who was way ahead of his time prophesying. And let me tell you something about Jesus Christ tonight. 
2,000 years ago, he was way ahead of his time. That's why the Pharisees couldn't catch up to his teaching, because he was ahead of their time. And I know me and you think because we got this, that we can get information in a heartbeat, we can pass along information in a heartbeat. Sometimes we start thinking we're ahead of Jesus. But I got to tell you, if he was physically standing in this room right now, he would still be ahead of you and me in our time. Isn't that amazing? Now, Deuteronomy, what we're going to see tonight is that the people of Israel are gathered together to hear from Moses. Moses, you have to know this. This is so important. We're going to dig deep tonight. It's not just stories. We're going to dig deep. Moses is telling Israel that God is going to renew his covenant to his people. That the same God, remember, the same God who brought them through the Red Sea and closed it over their enemies is going to renew his covenant to them. What's crazy is the generation who had the covenant all died off pretty much because of their rebellion to God. You know, we talk about that sin thing at the beginning. Listen, sin will keep you from the promised land. In other words, let me apply that today. Sin will keep you from the presence and the blessings and the anointing of God. That's what sin will do. It will push you away from God. What's crazy is only Joshua, Caleb, and anyone under 20 actually saw the promised land. All because of sin. This is an amazing fact. What should have been an 11-day trip, what should have been an 11-day trip turned into a 40-year trip because of sin. Can I ask you a practical question before we jump into it? So good to be back with you tonight. Is there any sin in your life that might be delaying the blessings of God? I can hear your minds going. I tell my wife that sometimes when she starts worrying. I say, baby, I can hear your mind going. I hear your mind going right now. And that's good. You need to reflect. Do not dare zone out while I'm preaching. You reflect. Is there any sin you could deal with tonight that could allow you to step into the presence and the blessings of God? Look with me here at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30. Chapter 1, verse 30 of Deuteronomy. The Lord, your God, don't you like that? Moses reminds him, hey, he's a personal God to you. The Lord, your God, who goes before you, will fight for you. (laughs) Think about that for a moment. Jesus Christ, who goes before you, will fight for you. Just as you saw God do for you in Egypt. So now Moses is pointing them back to what God has already done. Moses is not having to reveal anything new. He's reminding them of who God is. Sometimes we don't need to be, remind, we don't need to be taught something new. We need to be reminded of who God is. Look at this. And you saw in the wilderness how the Lord your God. Look at this illustration. Moses used illustrations. He carried you as a man carries his son all along the way you traveled until you reached this place. But, but in spite of this, You did not trust the Lord your God who went before you on the journey to seek out a place for you to camp. He went in the fire by night, in the cloud by day, to guide you on the road you were to travel. Will you pray with me tonight? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, we pause for a moment to breathe. God, I pray that you would let these students know every chair they're sitting in has been prayed over. Father, I pray tonight that you would supernaturally 
blow the roof off this place and open up the heavens and come down to meet with us here. God, we don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from you, and I pray that you would speak every word tonight. Father, I thank you for every college student here. It's an amazing, huge, packed-out room of college students seeking after you. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts and our minds to your word. Father, the devil is rebuked in the name of Jesus from this place, from distractions, from discouragement. Father, right now we seek after you, trusting that you are in this room. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, I want you to write this down. Before the battle, it belongs to God. So good to see all of you guys. Goodness gracious. I'm trying not to cry tonight. That'd be so embarrassing. Number one, before you ever get to the battle, it belongs to God. Isn't it amazing that wherever we're going, God has already been there? Some of you are so worried about your future. Israel kept getting worried about what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink. They kept getting worried about all the things God had already proven himself faithful in. Isn't it amazing that, look, wherever God is leading you, God is already there too. I wrote this down. I've been dwelling on this all week long, all weekend. I wrote this down. I said, God is just as much ahead of you on your path as he is walking beside you on your path. Now, I don't understand that. I'll be the first one to tell you. I don't understand that. But God is just as much forward as to where you're going as he is walking beside you. Not just that. If you're a believer, God is inside of your heart prompting you by the Holy Spirit to do what you know you're supposed to do. And yet, how many times do we say no to the Holy Spirit? We hear God telling us to run from that sin. Israel heard God saying, trust him. Don't be afraid. Do you remember what I just did for you at the Red Sea? And yet constantly they chose to not trust God. There's not a believer in this room who is not in a place where they can fall victim to not trusting the Lord and instead trusting ourselves. That is a dangerous, dangerous path. Moses is asking Israel, after all you've seen of God, imagine him asking you right now, after all you've seen of God, after all you've seen of Jesus, how in the world could you ever be afraid? I mean, really, is there anything scarier than the Lord? <laughs> Like, for real, there is no person in your life who can harm your soul that can only harm the body. So don't fear the one who harms the body. Fear the one who can harm the soul, and there's only one who could ever do that. And yet he's chosen to love you. So really, all the stress, all the anxiety, all the worrying Israel faced, they had no reason to worry because Yahweh was with them, had been with them, would always be with them. Apply that to your life. Jesus Christ, even more glorious, gloriously, is not just with you. He, his spirit is living inside you. But you and I have got to get to a place where we trust him, where we realize that God is winning our battle for us, that he has gotten there before the battle even arrives. At the end of the day, what Moses is trying to do to Israel is instill, watch this, you've heard this word, instill some, you ready? We lack in this word. We don't have this word a lot of times. We fake like we have this word. You hear me? Moses is trying to instill, here it is, confidence in Israel. Now, you and me are really good at faking confidence. We're really good at walking into a room with our chin up and looking like, yeah, I'm the man. Yeah, I got it all figured out. 
I done led these many people to Christ. I made these many disciples. I've been a Christian this long. Or I made this much money. I did this in high school on my sports team. I got these shoes. Like, just because I got these Jordans on don't mean nothing at the end of the day. We fake all these materialistic things to try to make up for our identity. But at the end, Moses is telling Israel, it's not a confidence in you. Watch this. God is not trying to put a confidence in you about you. He is trying to put a confidence in you about him. Because you in your battle can do nothing to win it on your own, but God is the one who through you can win your battle. So let me ask you something. The friends in your life, the ones that you go to the most, do you have confidence in them to come through for you when you need it? Think about it. If you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, do you have confidence in them to come through for you? Your best friend, do you have confidence in them to come through for you? When we really trust our friends, we watch. We place confidence in them to come through for us when we need it, yet we don't ever do that for God. So many times we don't place our confidence in God. And Moses is saying, after everything you've seen, Israel, God is the one who deserves your confidence in him to come through. Who am I speaking to tonight? And I can sense in the Holy Spirit in this room, and there's some people tired tonight. Not physically. You're excited to be back, not energetically, not any of that, but you're tired spiritually. Like I can feel right now that your soul is tired. (laughs) That you've been fighting so many battles, you're worn down and you're not realizing who you can run to, to be restored in the fight, and it's God. Will you go there? I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight, but I promise you, God is worth your confidence. I was thinking about Israel. And how they spent 400 years in slavery. Many of you are well aware of that. Some of you are not. But I want you to go study the Old Testament more. I want you to read the Old Testament more. Israel spent 400 years in slavery. Watch this. They had a battle of slavery. And what was amazing is God was the one who told them that battle was coming. God told them long before they ever went into slavery that their nation would be in slavery for 400 years. This is what I want you to understand about God's word. You and I get so surprised when battles come our way. We get so surprised when we get in a car wreck. We get so surprised when we struggle with issues. But God's word has already told you the battles you are going to face. As a Christian, his word has told you loud and clear what to expect. Look at this from 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13. Peter says, dear friends, do not be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Pause right there. Leave this on the screen. So in other words, Peter is saying, hey, if you're a Christian, I'm going to call you a friend, but I'm going to tell you something you probably don't want to hear from a friend. You do not need to be surprised when the fiery ordeal, in other words, trials, battles, hardships over your faith come to you because that's how it is as a Christian. Don't be surprised because if you're claiming to live a countercultural faith in a countercultural world, this world's going to beat you up. I don't care how long you've been doing this. I don't care how much experience you have. Let me tell you something. If you are choosing to live as a Christian in this decade, this world's going to beat you up. This country, we are moving rapidly farther and farther and farther away from Christianity to the point where being a Christian is going to be an anomaly. And you will have to decide in this decade, I will have to decide in this decade, I firmly believe this, if I will really stand next to God or if I will run to the world. Which will you choose? Because if you don't know this, I can tell you which one you'll choose. Daniel, chill. <laughs> It's point one. Relax. I can't. 
Peter tells me, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you and I need to be ready and I think you do too. Cute stories, everything like that, it's all out the door. We need to be ready to stand up for what we believe, but we can't stand up for what we believe until we understand what we believe. (laughs) It's going to come to you to test you. Don't be surprised because look at this. Don't act like it's unusual. No, for a Christian, going through battles in this world over your faith is usual. I don't want to scare you, but I do want to wake you up tonight. I'm so excited to have you back, but I don't have a new message for you. I got the same gospel. Peter tells us, instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. What's amazing is Peter tells us that as Christians, we're bound to face battles and ordeals. But watch this. God has promised us a promised land. I need you to hear me tonight. Heaven and hell are not talked about on today's platform of Christianity today because it's not popular. Heaven is. Hell is not. But for you and me as Christians, when we go through the fiery ordeals, when we have faith, when we hold on to Jesus Christ, just as he promised Israel that for 400 years they would be in slavery, he promised to deliver them when they repented and restored, he would deliver them from slavery and bring them to a promised land. I don't know if you've looked at our world lately, but we are enslaved to sin. Non-believers are a slave to sin. And you and me still feel the power of sin in this world. But God has promised you as a believer, and this is what you get to hold on to, that just as the Israelites were being led to a promised land, Jessica, just as they were being led to a promised land, you and me are being led to a promised land, and that place is called heaven. That place is where we get to walk in the presence of God fully, where our glorification process is complete and we get to be fulfilled and have joy for all eternity and we'll get to know God. It's not about having a Ferrari. It's not about having clothes and houses in heaven. It's about knowing God. But hell, it's not about what we do in this world. It's about who we know. And those who don't know Jesus Christ, when they die, spend an eternity away from God. That's the gospel. That's it. I could end my sermon right now. It's complete. I got nothing else really. That's it. Literally, we either choose Jesus or we don't, and that will decide the pathway of our eternity. Don't let that scare you because God has brought you here tonight to tell you how much he loves you. If you know Jesus right here, hold on to him when it gets hard. If you don't know Jesus, you need to commit your life to him at some point. You ain't got to do it here. Listen, we ain't going to bait you. We ain't going to trick you. We ain't putting a lot. We ain't going to trick you into making no decision. I ain't in the business of fake decisions or just getting someone to say a prayer to say it. We ain't going to trick you into nothing. You're going to have to decide to truly follow Jesus on your own. We'll be there to pray with you, to talk with you, to counsel you, but we won't make that decision for you. I can't. My wife, I love my wife to death, just a couple of Weeks ago, my wife had a birthday, and we celebrated her. It's her Kobe year. She turned 24, so we were very excited to celebrate her birthday. Obviously, I believe Kobe Bryant's the best basketball player of all time, hands down. Far superior to Jordan and LeBron. And if the documentary of Jordan showed us anything, it's that Kobe's better. Thank you. That's a, thank you, Paul. Yeah, preach. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't care who the greatest of all time is. 
But my wife, it's her Kobe year, and so I wanted to celebrate her. This is what my wife did. Some of you ladies may be like this. I don't do this. But for her birthday, what she did is she gave me a list, (laughs) which is really good. Like, I need lists. I need help. And she knows that. But she sent out a list to, like, her personal friends and family. It was like, hey, you know, don't be going rogue. This is what I'd like. And, I mean, this list came with, like, links, (laughs) came with attached images, uh, Pinterest links. I mean, like, like, it was not just a list of, like, good luck. It was like, uh, here's the list. Go here. (laughs) Like GPS directions, all right, you're going to go down to the Texaco station, take a right. You're going to see Macy's. You're going to buy this whatever dress. I don't know. I couldn't think of what they shopped for at Macy's. I guess clothes, huh? Clothes and stuff like that. She gave me this list. I look at the list. I want to buy from the list, but I got to be honest with you, that's boring to me. I don't want to just buy from the list. I'm like, no, you're going to know it's coming. I want to surprise you. So I go rogue. Big mistake. Because I realize I don't know what I'm doing when shopping for a woman. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. I can buy her athletic clothes and athletic shoes. That is the far line as I go. So I go rogue. What I know, though, is I know she needs a tote bag. Now, I didn't know what a tote bag was beforehand. I knew it was like one of the beach bags. I thought it was a beach bag, but I knew she needed a tote bag. And so I went rogue. I wanted to find her a tote bag, Rebecca. I wanted to get her a bag that she would like. So I started searching on Amazon, of course. Thinking, where else are you going to go? I go to Amazon, and I search tote bags, and I see one come up, and the color pops. And I'm like, ooh, I would wear that. I'm like, what kind of bag is this? And uh, it's nice. It's nice. If it was a backpack, I'd wear it. The color is ash rose. <laughs> doesn't sound like a manly color, but I would wear it. It's beautiful. I looked at the color of this bag. I said, man, this bag is beautiful. Click. Bought it. Didn't read the specifics, <laughs> didn't read the details, looked at two images of 40, <laughs> bought the bag there the next day. I grabbed the bag. Of course, as a guy, I don't go through the bag. I don't look through the bag. I assume it's fine. I take it. I put it in a little gift bag with some, with some you know, what's the stuff called that you put on? Tissue paper. See, I don't even know what tissue paper is. Tissue paper. To make it look nice, I want to make it look presentable. So I put it on the thing, and she opens it up. It's her birthday. She's going through or whatever. She's like, oh, I love this. I'm like, yes, score. Like, I went rogue, and it worked. Next year, I'm going completely rogue. And she's like, I love this. She's looking through the pocket. She's looking at the color. And then she opens the bag, and she pulls out a smaller bag. <laughs> and it's like about this big. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's for an iPad. <laughs> but I don't have a clue. I don't know what it is. I don't have any ideas. This is a smaller bag within a bag. I'm like, that's weird. Tote bags do that. I was like, you got to have one and then the other right here with your iPad. It's a smaller bag. So she's like, oh, this is cute. And so she takes it and uh, on the table or whatever, she starts opening. And it opens up to be a mat. And like the mat surface is for liquids. And it's able to support like spills and messes and stuff like that. And it says, you are the future on it. And she looks at me, and it's just this awkward moment of silence, and she says, Daniel, I think this is for changing babies. (laughs) And I'm like, no, it's for an iPad. (laughs) It's like, no, Daniel. And she picks up the bag. She looks at it. She goes, oh, this is a baby bag. (laughs) And she's like, Daniel, do you want to have a baby? And I'm like, no. (laughs) This is a mistake. I'm not trying to hint at anything. (laughs) There's nothing else happening here. This is a huge mistake. And, like, I, <laughs> I promise this is not a fake story. This is true. And at first, I was really embarrassed. Like, I told her, I was like, Anna, do not tell your mom. Do not tell your family. Don't tell any of our friends. Of course, the next day, she runs out and tells someone, you're not going to believe what Daniel did. And also, we're having a baby. But she, <laughs> we're not. No, I'm just kidding. 
But I felt so embarrassed in this moment. I didn't want her to tell anybody. I was humiliated. Honestly, not a humiliation of, ha-ha, yeah, that would be a cute illustration. I never thought about that. It was a, I'm embarrassed and I feel dumb. <laughs> like, I feel stupid. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but somebody feels it. Somebody bought her a baby back before. <laughs> she knows the pain. She's like, I've been there a couple times. <laughs> so I broke up with dude. <laughs> bought me a baby bag. I'm 17, like, no. In this moment, though, it does, it was funny because I wrote it down, I reflected on it, and as usual, it led me to better understanding a little bit of my faith. I wrote this down, I promise you, I know it's stupid, but it really does apply. I wrote down that my wife provided two things, you ready for this? All she provided were expectations and instructions on how to meet them. Expectations and instructions on how to meet them, and I decided to go rogue. And the minute I went rogue, I got humiliated. I know it's stupid, I know it is, it's funny and it's goofy, but for real though, if I can be honest with you, to shed some light on what it really looks like, God has given you his expectations. God has given you, look at this, his instructions on how to meet them, and when you get away from those, you will end up humbled. You will end up humiliated. Doesn't matter how long you've been doing this, God's expectations don't change. God's instructions don't change. They're the same thing. He has laid it out for you. Why? Why did Hannah do that? Hannah laid it out because she knew what was best in that situation. I clearly didn't. Guess what? You do not know what's best in the situations you face in your life. I know you feel like you got all the wisdom in the world and you got all the answers, but let me tell you something. You do not understand how to win the battles in your life the way God understands how he can win them for you. Amen? God's given you those instructions and those expectations. And what happened to me in that moment is so funny. But as soon as I saw the color of something, as soon as I saw that it was ash, rose, gone, purchased, bought. You know what we do with this world? I know it's so goofy, but at the same time, even the strongest Christian will be drawn away from the word of God because the colors of this world are so beautiful. Sin comes in a package that is beautiful, colorful, and lit up. And what you and I do is if we're not grounded in the word of God, we go, boop, purchase. Here today, here tomorrow, quick as Amazon. We're in a trap of sin. That's exactly how we lose battles against sin. We're drawn away. When Moses says, just as you saw him fight for you in Egypt, Moses is asking, do you guys remember the Red Sea? I wrote this down. I hope it encourages you tonight. Sometimes God will lead you to a trial so that he can be the one to lead you through a trial. God led the Israelites to the Red Sea. He led them to that moment. They were trusting him. They were following him. He led them to that trial. There's nothing they could do, and he led them through that trial. But, man, I wish I had more time tonight. The flip side of this, though, and i got to be real honest with you, we get in battles we have no business being in. You know what I'm saying? We get in unnecessary battles in our life. What I want to tell you, Neely, not every battle we face is directly from God. Some battles we get ourselves in because of our own sin. You know the number one way, Donna Gaines spoke about this a few days ago, the number one way we get ourselves in battles we don't belong in is our thought life. You know what I'm saying? We have thoughts that go through our head that attack us all day long. I believe in Ephesians when Paul talks about fiery darts, you see the fiery ordeal. I believe when, when Paul is talking about fiery darts, that those are often the thoughts Satan puts in our head. 
that he launches fiery darts at your mind. He launches attacks on your mind. And Donna Gaines told us, I think she quoted it from somewhere. Maybe it was her. Maybe it was Get Out of Your Head, an incredible book my wife is reading. She said, you have five seconds to deal with a thought or that thought will deal with you. So for your thought life, man, does anything run however it wants to up here? Like, is it just a, a sliding, revolving door? Like it Bonefish Grill, where thoughts just go in and just keep going in, and whenever they want, they just keep going and going and going and going and going. Thoughts about people, thoughts about yourself, thoughts about the Lord that aren't true, they just keep going and going and going because you got no godly filter. You are not dealing with the thoughts, the fiery darts that Satan is throwing at you. But if you would, you'd be free from some of the battles you don't need to be in. I'll give you this one verse. I got to keep moving forward. You know it. You know this verse. It hit me in the face this morning. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. So that you may, look what you get to do. You will be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I need to keep moving. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 31. You saw in the wilderness how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all along the way you traveled until you reached this place. Number two, during the battle, it belongs to God. During the battle, it belongs to God. Now, I want to give you practical action steps here. That's a lot of great theology. I want to give you practical action steps here. I want you to write these down. How to fight in Christ's victory. Write that down. How to fight in Christ's victory. What does it look like in a fallen world to fight in the victory that Christ has for us? How to fight in Christ's victory. Number A, or letter A, not number A. Come on, Daniel. Letter A, recognize God's ability. The very first thing we see when the Israelites are at the Red Sea is that they, they recognize, Moses holds up his staff, he recognizes that yes, the Red Sea is big, but his God is way bigger than the Red Sea. Some of you need to recognize that yes, your battles may assume, appear to be big, but your God is way bigger. <laughs> that God's ability is not limited by your battle. Now in the Old Testament, we see this. I love this. I told you we were going to dig in. Please don't, don't miss me here. In the Old Testament, we see this very clearly when Moses and the Israelites, when the Israelites go to war with Amalek. Do you remember that? In the Old Testament, some of you do. When the, when the Israelites go to war with Amalek, you'll remember this. It's a very huge moment in Scripture. Amalek was from the line of Esau, which means they're in the same family tree as Israel, which means the war that they're going in is a family issue. This is a family battle. I don't know if you realize this or not, but some of the hardest, toughest battles you'll ever face will be within your family. Have you ever realized that before? Some of you, your parents are divorced or are getting divorced. Some of you got siblings that you know don't love Jesus. Some of the toughest battles you'll face are against family. Now, this is the part of the Bible where Moses holds up his staff. And the staff now at this point is sanctified. It's from the Lord. It had been used to turn into a stake. It had been used many times by him um, all throughout Scripture. It's what, the, it's what Moses held up when he parted the Red Sea. The staff had been sanctified. The staff was from the Lord. And God told him, he said, hey, as you're going to war, you hold up the staff against Amalek. And when you are holding up the staff, you will prevail. When the staff comes down, you will lose the battle. And that's exactly what happens in this moment. It's an amazing symbol. When Moses is holding up the staff, they prevail against Amalek. But when the staff comes down, they lose. <laughs> they start losing the battle. Now watch this. This is what's amazing. 
This means that the battle was not decided by those who were fighting. This means that the battle they were in, the winners and losers were not determined by their power or their strategy or their abilities. Instead, the key to winning the battle, watch this, was Moses' posture with what God had given him. In a lot of your battles, it's not based on your ability. It's not based on what you can do or what you can't do. It's based on your posture with what God has given you. And your posture is going to be strictly determined by the foundation that you stand on. See, if you're standing on a foundation, don't be surprised when your posture shakes. But when you're standing on the word of God, your posture will not shake. That word of God will hold you up. That's an amazing concept. So let me ask you, have you been fighting your battles, trying to win them your way, or are you fighting your battles realizing that God will win them his way? (laughs) That's not in my notes. I don't know who that's for tonight. God will win them his way in the end. Israel would not win their battle, and I want you to write this down. I think this will be on the screen. Israel would not win their battle by relying on their resources or power. They'd win by relying on the source of all power. God gave you resources as a support, not a substitute. Did you hear what I said? God has blessed you with people and with resources to fight in his name as a support, but not as a substitute. And too many times we try to substitute our ways. I love this. I said this a long time ago. It's it's stupid, but it makes sense. No one uses a vacuum without plugging it into the wall. Why? Why, Grace? Why does nobody use a vacuum without plugging into a wall? Think about it. All you're going to do is go up and down, but you ain't making no impact on the carpet because it's not plugged into the source of power. See, you can fight your battles all day long. You can exert a whole lot of energy. You can go up and down that battle. You can stress and worry 10 ways to Sunday. At the end of the day, if you're not in prayer and you're not connected to the source the way you got to plug a vacuum into a source to make an impact, if you're not connected to the source through prayer, you will never make an impact that you want to make. And some of us spend our whole lives, it's so stupid, but it's true, our whole lives and what we're doing the whole time is running an unplugged vacuum over the carpet, wondering why we ain't making a dent. You're trying to deal with your battles, your way, and you're not praying. And you and I, when we do that, I got to relate to you. I do it too. I know as a pastor, I fall into the same stuff. I'm like a vacuum not plugged into the power source. I make the same mistakes where I'm fighting, Rachel, my battles on me. And not prayer. I need to keep going. B is recognize your responsibility. Now, this is what's great, Paul. You and I don't get to sit back and just eat bonbons and Twinkies and do whatever we want and drink milk and apple juice and kick our feet up and watch TV shows all day and and do whatever. Like, many Christians go to one of two extremes. Either they let God do everything and they try to do nothing or they try to do everything and let God come in whenever God wants to come in. You cannot fight your battles without doing nothing. Listen, I got to tell you, I'm so glad that we had January and February at The View in person. I am so glad, and I hope that you hear me on this. I'm so glad you and I had some weeks together at The View before COVID hit. You know why? Because we told you something. We told you something at The View long before it was popular this year. Hear me. 
We told every single one of you something back in January and February before COVID ever hit, before racist acts ever went viral this year. We told you to do something, and then everyone in the world wanted to come together and say, okay, now we'll do it. We told you three words. Do you remember? We put it on sweatshirts. I told you, 2020, you will have to use your voice. And I'm trying not to get too riled up, but I'm going to. I got to tell you, I told you before COVID ever got here, before the racist acts ever got here, that you, as a 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old college student who believes in Jesus Christ, is going to have to speak up. You cannot stay quiet in this world. And some of you have watched everything in 2020 happen. COVID, racism, everything happened in this nation. People dying and going to hell. People dying across the nation and not knowing Jesus. Your neighbors not knowing Jesus. Family members not knowing Jesus. You and I, some of us, we have watched that happen all year. and We ain't said nothing. We've been silent this whole year. If you're a Christian, you cannot do that. You cannot be quiet. And I'm sorry to get on you, but I've been waiting for this day to tell you. You are going to have to use your voice now more than ever. You have to use your voice for the word of God. Everything, every single thing you say has to come through scripture. Everything. This is not Daniel's opinions 101. This is not Dakota's opinions 101. This ain't Bellevue's opinions. This ain't the view opinions. But when you and me see someone dying and going to hell and they don't know Jesus, if we don't speak up, we got to wonder if we really love Jesus. <laughs> because if you and I really know Jesus, how could we watch someone die and go to hell and not say a single thing to him about the gospel? How? How can you and I believe that all people, regardless of skin color, have value in the sight of God's eyes, that everyone deserves to know Jesus and go to heaven and us not speak up for our African-American brothers and sisters in Christ who are hurting? How can we not as Christians? How? When you see injustices, when you see bullying, when you see lying, when you see greed, as a Christian, it's time to stand up and speak out for the word of God. I don't care where it is. I don't care where it happens. God has already told you tonight. You see it, you speak up. God is calling some of you tonight. He's calling you to own this thing, to make your faith yours. That's the reason you're here, to stop playing hula hoops, to not skip, stop skipping about your faith, stop having a, a foot in the water about your faith and a foot out. He's calling you to own it. And that means speaking up. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I know I'm talking to somebody. I need to keep moving. C, recognize your need for help. Two amazing things. One, God's ability. But then two, that he has called us to have responsibility in our battles and in the lives of people around us who have battles. And then C, recognize your need for help. As Moses was holding up that staff, do you remember what happened? You remember what happened? He got tired. He got weary. He got hurt. 
And look at what happened. Moses had people around him. Aaron and her come around him and hold up his arm in the midst of the battle. He had community around him who lifted him up as he fought. I wish I had more time for this, but can I just ask you, do you have that around you? As you fight your battles, is there anyone around you who is holding you up, holding your arm up, holding that staff up as you fight and have faith in God? When I was in college, I fought many battles just as you did, just as you do now. I fight battles myself. I got saved at 21. Many of you know my testimony. I got saved at 21 years old. I was lost. I didn't know anything about Jesus, really. I knew about Daniel and the lion's den because it was my name. I knew about Noah's Ark and how the animals went on the boat. But I didn't know anything else about Jesus Christ. And at 21, what I was doing is I was coaching, and I was trying to win as many games as I could. Hear me on this. The way I would win my battles in life, the way I would overcome my identity crisis was to win as many games as I could, was to make as much money as I could, was to build as strong of a foundation, as strong of a name as I could. This was five years ago. I thought if I could just win enough money and win enough games, then I would overcome the deepest struggles of this life. And yet every single night I went home feeling the same. No matter how many wins I got, watch this, it's crazy. No matter how many wins I got as a college student, no matter how much money I made as a college student, no matter how much networking I had with other people who had power and could get me somewhere, no matter how much I did all that, all that, I still went home at night and laid my head on that pillow and felt an identity crisis because my identity was based on wins and losses. And look at me. If you fight your battles where your identity is based on wins and losses, your identity is going to be up and down and your life is going to be up and down. And that's what my life was like. For real. Like, I ain't faking this. I ain't telling you something just to sound relatable. My life was miserable because my identity was based on this world. And these battles were all on me. And then I came to The View. I came to The View as a college student, 21 years old. I walked in here just like some of you did tonight. I walked in as a guest, scared, <laughs> scared to come inside because I knew I wasn't a Christian. And I knew that when I walked in the door, those who were Christians could spot me. I stood out. First time I came to The View, I cussed. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was. Folks were looking at me like, who is this guy? My clothes were way too baggy. I was awkward. My beard had not come in all the way, so it was like scratchy everywhere and party, and my hair was super thin. I mean, I just, I looked like I didn't belong, and in reality, to be real with you, I felt like I didn't. And in that moment, I had a choice that some of you had. I had a choice to either watch, lean away, or lean in. And what I chose to do here, four or five years ago, watch this, I chose to use this place to lean in to the people here. And what I found, college students, if I can be honest with you, what I found when I leaned in here at The View, when I stopped just being a halfway, half-in Christian, when I really started to own it, I found community who would love me, who would challenge me, who would push me in my Bible reading, who would push me in my prayer, who would push me to fast, who would remind me that they love me, but even more importantly than that, God loved me. And it changed my life. Some of you are Christians, but your life isn't changing because you're in the same environment. You're losing battles because when you got saved, your environment never changed. <laughs> Dakota loves to say this. If you hang out in the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. <laughs> Dakota's here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know that. 
And if you hang around an environment of sin, don't be surprised when you purchase sin. (laughs) Buy it and take it home. What you can do tonight, though, you can choose to lean in. You can choose to find community. You can choose to own this thing. But it's not going to happen until you make that decision. Number three, outcome of the battle belongs to God. Outcome of the battle belongs to God. Let's all stand up right where we are. The band's going to make their way back up here. I know you're putting your stuff away. You're setting your stuff down. I just want you to to listen to me for a moment. I want to ask you to not be looking around the room. I want to ask you to to focus in, to not be distracted. Don't let the devil discourage you. But just focus in with me for a moment. Right here. Long before you and me were on this earth, God existed. And everyone in the room needs to hear this. Long before your battle ever showed up, God existed. Before we were ever created, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed. And not just that, they loved each other. Think about the person you love in your life the most right now. The love you have for that person doesn't even come close to the love God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit had before this whole thing began and right now. It's because of that love. Look at this. It's because of the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's because of that love that we were created, that you and me were made. It's because they loved each other so much, and God wants to celebrate his son Jesus. He wants to celebrate the goodness and the glory of Jesus. And so God invited and created you and me to be a part of that celebration. This is the gospel. I ain't got no new message for you. You've already heard all this. He created you and me to celebrate his son. And he created Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. He gave them blessings. He he walked with them so they could know him and they could talk to him. And he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. He put it there. Many people ask me, Daniel, why did God put the tree there in the first place? You know why? You can't have a chance to choose obedience if you don't have the choice to choose disobedience. So God, not wanting you to be a robot, wanting you to truly love him and choose him and know him, put the tree there. One tree in all of a garden. And Satan came in in Genesis 3, and he convinced Adam and Eve that they were missing out on something good God was holding from them. Watch this. God said, I'm not holding anything good from you. I am protecting you from something bad. And Satan said, no, God is keeping you from something good. And they started to believe that lie. And you know what? Some of you tonight are believing that lie, that God is withholding something good from you. And you start listening to Satan. You start buying that lie. And Adam and Eve ate from the tree and they sinned. And ever since that moment, ever since sin entered the garden, our whole world has been off. That's why you see explosions. That's why you see war. That's why you see hatred. That's why you see people living in sin and not knowing what the concept of family is anymore. That's why you see all these things happen. All because of the sin in the garden, it has spread and it has affected this world. You cannot convince me that this world has not fallen. And then God, remember what he did with Adam and Eve. God clothed them with the skin of an animal. 
The first animal sacrifice, the first animal offering, God should have what was right was to take Adam and Eve out because of their sin. And yet in God's mercy, we don't understand it. But in his mercy, he allowed the sacrifice of an animal to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. All of that has nothing to do with the animals, but it's trying to teach you and me. God is teaching humanity the lesson of sacrifice, of substitution. That because of your sin, there's got to be a substitute that you can't pay for your sin. There's got to be a substitute. All the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, all the blood that ran for the sin of Israel is a picture to show you that what 400 plus years of animal sacrifices could not cover up, Jesus Christ covered up in one day. And so God looks at humanity. He saw you before you ever saw yourself. He saw we couldn't save ourselves and we needed the true sacrifice. You go through the Old Testament, he leads Israel out of slavery. He puts them in the promised land. They sin, they get exiled, just like the garden. When you sin, you get exiled. But God says every time, if you repent, if you return, I'll restore you. All you got to do is come back. And in the Old Testament, sometimes they would get it right. David was a man after God's own heart, and God told him, hey, from your lineage, the Messiah is going to come. And so people started looking for the son of David. They started looking for the son of David, the son of God. And then you remember in the Gospels, when Jesus Christ was a kid, it tells us that while Jesus Christ was a kid, he sat in the synagogue and studied and listened and learned. He wasn't apathetic. He wasn't lazy. He didn't let God the Father do everything. He put time into it. Have you put any time into your faith? And then Jesus, when he was 30, I love this moment when Jesus was baptized. Some of you tonight need to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all present. God the Father opened the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove unto Jesus. And there began his public ministry. And guess what? The beginning of his ministry was met with a battle. He was driven to the wilderness, tempted by Satan for 40 days, and overcame every single temptation you've ever felt in your entire life said no to the kingdoms of this world. And then he healed people. This is our savior we're talking about. He healed people, he loved people, he cared for people. He touched people no one would touch. He spoke to people no one was spoke to. He broke generational poverty barriers. He broke racial barriers. He broke every barrier you can imagine. That's who we serve, that's our king. And the world hated him. Can you imagine when they laid his hands out on the wood and they drove the nails in? This ain't the new gospel. You've heard this before. And he was on that cross crucified at 9 a.m. He died at 3 p.m. If this doesn't stir something in your heart, I don't know what does. He was on the cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on that cross. He died for a really good cause, but many men have died for better causes. I mean, we all, there's been men who have died for good causes. The glorious part of Jesus Christ is what we've said tonight, is that three days later, after it looked like Satan had won the battle, Jesus Christ rose from the grave and won the battle. And that's where we are tonight. I already know the outcome of the battle because I've seen God do it all through history. Do you know the outcome of the battle? Do you know that the battle you're in tonight, Jesus Christ is fighting for you. He has gone before you. He loves you, he cares for you, and he will fight for you when you cannot fight for yourself. That is who we serve. Do you know him tonight? Do you trust him tonight?
If you don't, I want to call you to make that decision tonight for him. And if you're a Christian and you're struggling, it's time you remember all that God has done. Bow your heads with me for just a moment as we proceed to worship again. And I want to remind you, if right now you're in the room, all heads are bowed, no one's looking around. All heads are bowed, no one's looking around. I just want to remind you, if you are in the room now and you need a relationship with Jesus, you want a relationship with Jesus, right now, no one's looking around. I just want you to take out your phone. Maybe you got questions about the gospel. It's your first time hearing all that and you want to talk more about it. Take out your phone right now and just text Jesus to 901-833-7525. Nobody's looking around. It's just you and me. Just right now, text Jesus. I see some of you with your phones out. Text Jesus, 901-833-7525. And we'll reach out to you. Heavenly Father, it's so good to be back in your house. And Father, we pray tonight that you would please do a work that lasts much longer than just tonight, much longer than a worship service, much longer than just an event. Father, do a work that carries on with us out those doors this week. Father, I pray you would save someone right now in this room. God, I pray you would raise up leaders in this room who will fight their battles in your victory. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we need you and we give you this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.